Welcome to the Grace Point Church Podcast. Here at GPC, we want you to know God, love people, and live sent. From wherever you're listening, we hope you're encouraged by this week's message. If you want to learn more about Grace Point, head over to gracepointchurch.net. And now, this week's message. We are launching into a new series today. Uh, I'm going to be talking fast, kids. So again, help, help mom and dad listen in and, and pay close attention because we're going to be in rapid fire form today. And that's just the nature of Ephesians. It's the nature and the content of it. But here, here's where we're at. Uh, I want you, before we go and launch into this, I want you to think of one word. One word that describes your life the past five years. What, 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 if you were to like sum it up into one word, not a, you can compound it if you want to put a dash in the middle or something like that. But okay, but no more than two, okay? But give me one word that describes your life over the past five years. Here's some samples words out there. Discovery. Maybe it's been a, literally five years of trying to figure a lot of things out. Disaster. Beauty. Ashes. Emerging. Maybe it's been a, a race. You've just been running and you're tired and you're tired of being tired. Uh, dance. Maybe it's fun. Maybe it's hard. Maybe it's ideal. Maybe it's been a nightmare. Maybe it's been a detour or a dead end. Maybe it's been a surprise. Maybe it's been mundane. What is your one word? I want you to think about it. I want you to write it down. I want you to kind of zero in on it because that's where you have come from doesn't mean that's where you're going, but it's where you've come from. So kind of knowing where you come from will help you to kind of start charting a course to where you're going. So then that's going to beg another question. So let's look into the future. Not that you have a crystal ball, not that you can make it happen, but if you could be aspirational, what is the one word that you would want to describe your future? How, how would that look? What would it look like if you put it into one word? And I'm not going to audit these. I don't know, I'm not going to see these unless you share them with me. I will not know what they are. But what we live in is a tension between what was and what will be. And as we live in the past and we talk about the past, we think about the past, sometimes we get stuck in the past and can't get out of the past and we keep repeating the past into the future. So it gets complicated. But I, here's the, Statements that we've made before, insanity is, is uh, doing the same thing, expecting different results, or maybe it's, uh, uh, if you've always, uh, excuse me, the best predictor of past or future behavior is past behavior. You've heard that one. Um, uh, you know, if you always do what you've always done, you'll always get what you've always got. You know, it, again, this is the past. You want to carry the past. For some of you, it's been an awesome past. And you're like, hey, I just want this ride to continue. I don't want this, I don't want it to run out. I want to keep it going. And that's okay. But what is it about the past? What is it about the future? And I said this a few weeks ago, and I want to come back to it because again, this is a biblical truth that's gonna you're gonna see it woven throughout scripture. As you're looking to the future, obviously we're probably all with hopes and dreams of uh, things moving up and to the right. As you look into the future, I would dare say that we want a better life. We want our best life to be in the future, not behind us. Well, so what does it take to get to the best life? And I said this a few weeks ago. Your best life may not begin or end with you. It may not be all about you in the beginning and you getting all your hopes and desires now and then you maintaining them all the way to the very end of the race. But what is it about, the, about your life that is in the that is who you are. 
that almost defines you. And again, I talk about the past for a moment. Sometimes we allow the past to define us. Uh, sometimes we allow our mistakes, our dumpster fires, we, we allow our successes to be the definition of who I am. And I want to just tell you up front, straight as an era I can be with you, that's dangerous. Whether it was all rosy peaches in the past or it's been a dumpster fire in the past, and it's letting, letting life define you. Letting circumstances, letting positions, letting rankings, letting followers or influencers define who we are. Here's a life principle. Knowing who I am, really getting at who I am, should shape how I live. So much of we live trying to figure out who we are instead of living from who we are. You understand the difference between the two? We're trying to find ourselves. We're trying to make ourselves. We're faking it until we make it. But in reality, we've got to back out of that. We've got to go, who am I? Do I understand who I am? Do I see myself as God sees me? And am I living out of a basis of who he is in me? My best life, maybe in the future, and hopefully it is. And I want us to aim in that direction. But a part of that is knowing who you are. Part of that is knowing who you're not. Jesus knew who he was. In fact, you look at the life of Jesus. Jesus had seven I am statements. I'm the bread of life. I'm the light of the world. I'm the living water. I'm the, all these things. And it's not as he had seven multiple identities. He was all of those things. And now you read through the four gospels, you'll find different places. I'm the resurrection and the life. Oh hey, yeah, by the way, he raised Lazarus from the dead. And plus he's going to himself come back to life again. So he's, he literally lived up to all of these statements throughout his life. So who he was set the course for what he did and how he lived his life. So that at the end of his life, when he's hanging on the cross, end of his ministry, I should say, end of his ministry on the earth, he's hanging on the cross. He knew when it was over. And he said, it is finished. Can you look at your life and go, I'm living my life with such focus, so such clear identity of who I am and living out of who I am and it is shaping what I am becoming. So let's come back to that, that concept of this new series, But God. Because I want us to see that as we look at the book of Ephesians, if you haven't found Ephesians, go find it in your Bible now. We'll be there in a moment. Uh, but as we look at Ephesians, we're going to find where God inserts himself into story, into your story, into my story, that God is going to insert himself into the storyline of our life. You take the past, you take the present, you take the present, you take the future. Where do we want to see God? I want to see God right now. But God. So that, yes, my past is my past, but yes, what can I learn from my past? Yes, all of that. But I want God to be defining my future. And a part of defining of my future is knowing who I am. This concept of but God is a concept of God inserting himself into our story. In our storyline, in the storyline of our life. I read this quote a few weeks ago, and I want to come back and read it again because it's so important. James Montgomery Boyce said it like this. May I put it quite simply. If you understand those two words, but God, they will save your soul. If you recall them every single day or daily and live by them, 
they will transform your life completely. But God, the concept of God being in our life, inserting himself into our life, there's several ways that I can think of in my own life where God has inserted himself in. When I think about him inserting himself into my life, I I can think about in your life and our life is sometimes it's an interruption where literally God interrupts. Sometimes it's an intervention. Sometimes it's an interception where he inserts himself into our life. The interruption is whenever I'm going on about my life, I'm doing my life and all of a sudden God changes everything. You could be up and to the right. You could be moving in the direction you want to move and all of a sudden God inserts himself into that space. You didn't ask him. He just shows up and he interrupts and he disrupts our life. Now, he doesn't do it because he's mean. I'll promise you that. You'll see this in the series. He's trying to lead us somewhere. He's trying to change our life and move us to a better, best self of who we can possibly be. Sometimes it's an intervention. You know what an intervention is? That's whenever somebody loves you so much and they see you on a path that is dangerous, that is dark, that it's unhealthy, and somehow somebody who loves you steps in the middle and says, you've got to stop it before you wreck it. You're going to wreck yourself if you're not careful. Interception is whenever, sometimes you don't even know these, see these until after the fact. It's like God gets in the way of a moving train that's about to hit you, and he intercepts that. All of this is God inserting himself into the storyline of our life. Ephesians has, you'll get to count them with me, 10 times in six chapters. It doesn't always use the but God statement, but it's other times where you can clearly see in the text 10 times in six chapters where God inserts himself into the story, into the direction, into the pathway of, of, of the believers who are reading it and listening to it. This is an incredible book that I promise you right now, I'm going to do it in justice. All right. Ephesians is an incredible book. Pilgrim's Progress, John Bunyan, who wrote Pilgrim's Progress, got a lot of his inspiration from the book of Ephesians. W.O. Carver said this of the book of Ephesians, the greatest piece of writing in all of history. When I think about if I was put on an island and I could only take one of the 66 books of the Bible with me, which one would I take? Well, I have a long list, but I can only take one. Ephesians would be in the race. Ephesians would be there because of the the breadth and the depth of Ephesians. It is that powerful. So here's, here's, because I'm not going to be able to do justice in a matter of 30, 35 minutes on a Sunday to do this, you have got to own this in your own walk. You've got to be in Ephesians in your own life, okay? Here's how we're going to do this. I'm encouraging you to enter into a 21-day reading through the book of Ephesians. And again, you scan that QR code, and what we're going to do is you'll jump into an app, Uversion app. You can sign up, be a part of, of 21 days of reading through Ephesians, working your way through Ephesians, studying Ephesians with us. There's questions, there's interactions. We already had 60 people from the first service sign up for uh, just in, in, in that first service. And, and what you can do is every day go through there, and we'll all be You can get notifications and promptings and whatever, but you can interact. I pray through those interactions. You'll see my interactions in there. And so as we're reading the text together, and here's what I want to challenge you, is not just do it once. 21 days, do it again. 
And if you can't scan the QR code, what you can do is text in GPC Bible to 97000. We want everyone in the Word. The Word is powerful. Ephesians is that book that if I was on an island, I would probably take the book of Ephesians. So let's look at chapter 1. Verse 1, in the context of where we're at today, you see verse 1 and 2, and you find where Paul literally does what he always does. He starts off with his introduction. I'm Paul. I'm an apostle by the will of God. But then he always talks about his recipients. He always says, okay, to the church at Ephesus. This is a very common practice in the Greco-Roman world of how you write a letter. The person who's writing the letter, immediately the next statement is the recipient of the letter. But what Paul does in nine times out of 10 is he will always start right after that with a thanksgiving. Beautiful thanksgiving in Philippians, Colossians, all, all of these beautiful Romans, great thanksgivings to those early believers, greets those early believers. In Galatians, he doesn't. He just jumps in and starts firing at them because they're so off track. But in this one, he does it a bit different. He does what's called a Barakan praise, which is a very Hebrew way of doing it, where you literally start. This happens in, in Psalm chapter 1, verse 1, Psalm 104, verse 1, where he starts off with this words, bless be the God. It's not thankful to the people as he does in Philippians. He turns to God. He lifts his eyes up to heaven, and he says, bless be the God, the Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us. In Christ, with every spiritual blessing, we bless the God who blesses us with every spiritual blessing. We start with worship. It doesn't begin with us. It doesn't end with us. It starts with our Lord. That's why that last song, he's worthy of it all. He's worthy of it all. He's worthy of it all because he is. And we start with worship. And then it fills out into realizing, oh my goodness, God, you have blessed me. How many times have I used the word, we used the word, if you use the word, blessing. Say a blessing over the prayer, over, over the meal. Uh, God bless you. Blessings. But what are we saying? What does blessings mean? It actually has meaning. It actually means something, and we get the, a great definition of a blessing here. And so here's the title of the message. Your best life. What is a blessed life. And that's not just some cute, cutesy kind of Christianese kind of phrase. I really believe that if you understand who your identity is, who you really are, in all this day of dysphoria and confusion and loss of identity in our jobs and our marriages and even our genders, who am I? What am I? Let's let's take it let's take it back. Let's hear what does God say that I am? Who does Jesus want me to be? What has He done? He's blessed me with every spiritual blessing, everything under the heavens, everything in creation. Yes, if you're in Him. What does it mean to be blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies? Powerful verse here that lays it up for us. And by the way, you'll find three times in this one passage of Scripture, from verse 3 to verse 14, He will call us each and every time back to worship. In verse 6, in verse 12, in verse 14, to the praise of His glory. To the praise of His glory. To the praise of His glory. We are called 
by God, named by God, loved by God, connected by God, blessed by God so that we can turn our lives back to him as an act of worship to him. Your best life is a blessed life. And what does a blessed life look like? Let's look at these qualities of a blessed life, okay? Now, kids, if you're in the room and you're wondering, how long is he going to be talking? I'm going to be talking until I get to the end of my sweatshirt here. So I want us to understand that I'm blessed. Let's start with that. We just talked about that already. But now, what does that mean to be blessed? And you parents can follow along and know when I'm done as well. So here, let's talk about them. Number one, I am chosen. The fact that God chose me? Don't miss that. In the Old Testament, we understand that he chose the people of Israel to, 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 to bless all the nations of the world. That's awesome. But no, no, no. In the New Testament, he chooses the Jews. He chooses the Gentiles. He chooses the Greeks. He chooses the Romans. It's, it's all got to, it's his church. It's his bride. He has chosen them before the foundations of the world. And listen, this is not a new concept. We talked about this a few weeks ago. Look at all the times in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that Jesus refers to, or it's referred about Jesus making choices about people. Not just about where he's going to eat, what falafel he's going to have tonight or anything. No, it's I chose you, I called you, I chose, he chose, he called, he chose you. God is about choosing you. The God of the universe chose you. And if you're here today and you have never felt and sensed that calling of God and you struggle with your sense of worth, I get it, I get it. So here's a life principle for you. We aren't chosen because we're worthy. We are worthy because we are chosen. God puts the value on us by his choosing us. That brings us the value. It's not in and of ourselves. It's not because he likes us, uh, us better. Look at verse 4. It says in verse 4, he says, Even as he chose us in him, we'll come back to the in him phrases throughout here, in Christ, in him, all throughout here, before the foundations of the world. Before the world, he knew Mike McDaniel when he was still putting the atoms together. He knew Mike McDaniel when the molecules were still being formed. He knew Mike McDaniel before he ever breathed his first breath, before I ever was selfish for the first time, before I ever said no to my mother. Uh, for the he, All the way through to the end of my life, he knows me and he chose me. That's a big deal. Before the foundations of the world, he knew all of my life, and he chose me, he picked me, he, he cho- uh, selected me from the midst of it all. God has chosen you. God wants you to be his children. Number one is he, I am chosen. Number two, I am loved. So I am blessed. Because I'm blessed, what does that look like? I'm chosen. And didn't he just choose us and put us in a, in a pack of people? He chose us. And he loved us. He loved us in a ways that this world doesn't love us. In a world where social media has done more harm than good, in my opinion. It's created more walls of people struggling with themselves and their self-worth and value and how they rank in the likes and the shares and the followers. It's a sense of, again, who am I? Am I based on 
popularity? Am I based on my ranking in the, in the pay band of my job? Am I based on my class ranking? We got so many rankings and so many ways to define who we are. And I just want to say, God looks past it all. He chose you and he loved you. And there's nothing you can do to make him love you anymore. And there's nothing you can do to make you, him love you any less. That is a beauty. That's an awesome truth that you need to take to the bank every day of your life. You're struggling with your identity? Wake up in the morning and say, I'm blessed. I am chosen and I am loved. Verse 4, verse 5, it says, In love he predestined us. Whenever I think about love and I think about verses in the Scripture, listen, you gotta, we've got to remember, love is action. It is not a feeling. In our culture, love is a feeling. I fell in love. I fell out of love. In, in, in truth, what love is, love is patient, love is kind, that's actionable. you got to be, love causes me to move with action. Well, Jesus, it says of Jesus in John 3, 16, you know this verse, for God so, let's read this out loud together. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. There's action behind God's love for us. God loved us, so he sent his son for us. And I'll make it even more personal. What if you put your name in there? For God so loved Mike that he gave his only son for Mike. That if Mike believes in him, he will not perish, but he'll have everlasting life. The beauty of God's love is that it's not just a feeling. It's not just something on the shelf. It's not something pretty, some Valentine's cardy kind of something. It's shown, it's felt, it's experienced because he blesses us, he chooses us, he loves us, and it's leading us somewhere. That action that he takes is that he adopts us. So I'm chosen, I'm loved, I'm adopted. You see this, there's a cascading effect that's happening here in this sentence that is played out here. Chosen, loved, adopted. There's something about adoption. We had all of our children, uh, biological, and, and, uh, but there's something that when I see adoption happen, there's just something incredibly beautiful about that. Something that is, I will say this, almost more special than maybe the biological birth because there's an intentionality. There's typically a pretty high cost involved. There's a lot of adjustments that have to take place. But when somebody steps into someone's life and they said, I choose you, that's exactly what, I choose you to be mine. I choose you to take on my name. I choose you to be a part of my inheritance. I'm going to give the resources of myself to you. You go to the verse 14, I don't have time to go there. He even talks about inheritance being coming ours because of our adoption into him. This is something in the New Testament that is not in the Old Testament. Only 14 times of, in, in all 39 books of the Old Testament is God referred to as a father figure. But in the New Testament, in four books, 30. 9, Old Testament, 14. Four books, 60 times is God referred to as a father. We're told to pray to our father who art in heaven. We're told to call on him as our father, realizing that he 
He has come, he has blessed, he has chosen, he has loved, and he's loved us so much that he's going to make us his own child. He's going to adopt us and make us that. And not only that, he's going to step into our life and he's going to set us free. So I am not only chosen, loved, blessed, chosen, loved, adopted, but I am also free. When I look at that passage and I see that he steps into my life, verse four, 5 and 7, through Christ Jesus, through Christ Jesus, don't miss that. It's not through any God, it's not through myself, it's not through me keeping the Ten Commandments. Through Christ Jesus, according to the purpose of His will, to the praise of this glorious grace, grace is going to be an important word throughout the book of Ephesians, with which He has blessed us in the Beloved, There's that blessing that he's giving to us again and again and again. In him, we have redemption through his blood. All of that first part, all of that leading up to the redemption through the blood. The word redemption is to buy, to purchase, to take out of. So let me me, me illustrate it this way. If God adopted me, and when he adopted me, He received a bill from the adoption agency of every infraction, every meal, every part of my life stacked on top of each other, all added up and said, this is what it cost to adopt Mike. You know what Jesus did? He said, I'll pay it. I'll pay it with my own blood. I'll pay it personally. I'll pay it sacrificially. I'll pay it and I will set my son, my daughter, free. Free from that slavery. And if the son has set you free, you will be free indeed. But you will not, I will not get there on my own. I will not get there by saying a thousand Hail Marys. I will not get there by keeping the law. I will not get there of my own accord. This is the beauty of being blessed by God with every spiritual blessing is that I am blessed, I am chosen, I am loved, I am adopted, and I am set free. We're going to be hosting an event next week, and you've heard me talk about it, because we just need to understand that we love our neighbors, the LDS church, we love them, but we're different than them. doesn't mean differences can't mean you can't love each other, okay? But I do think the value of us understanding the differences of our beliefs is going to be incredibly important. We're going to hear from Michael and Lynn Wilders. They're going to be here, and they're going to share their story in Mormonism and out of Mormonism and the difference and how that got there. And this grace theme that we just read about, that we're going to read about and read about and read about in Ephesians, this is the theme of their story because it's the theme of Scripture. This is what, again, if I want to compare and contrast the different faiths, the third article of the faith in the Mormon faith, all mankind may be saved by obedience to the laws. You keep the laws, you're going to be saved by them, the ordinance of the gospel. Nephi, Nephi, number two, Nephi 25, 23. This is what it says from their sacred writings. For we know that it's by grace that we've been saved. After all we can do. So you do as much as you can do and God's going to take care of the rest. Listen, my friends, Jesus said, for by grace are you saved through faith. It is not of yourself. 
verse 6, to the praise of his glorious grace in which he blessed us in the beloved. He has, it's his grace, that unmerited favor. I am blessed. I'm blessed and I know I'm blessed because I'm chosen, because I'm loved, because I'm adopted, because I'm free, but it's also because I'm forgiven. He steps into my life and he paid a price for me. The symbol of of Christianity has been the cross for all these years. The cross is not more, it's more than a symbol. It is a payment in full. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 22, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. I know it's gruesome. I know it's ugly. I know it's, it's, it's horrible. But look at verse 7. In him, we have redemption in the blood. Forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his what? Grace. It's going to come back to grace. It's going to begin. It's going to end. It's going to be in the middle. It's going to be throughout this series. We're going to be talking about unveiling grace next week. Again, I just want to bring this out, that if it were not for the grace of God, we are all people to be pitied. What is your grace of God but God's story in your life? Because here's the reality one of the butt gods of the Bible, and there are many of them, and we're going to be bringing them out throughout the series. But one of the beautiful butt gods of the Bible is in Romans chapter 5, verse 8. It says, but God shows his love in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Don't get over that. I'm forgiven. I'm made free. I'm loved. I'm chosen. I'm blessed because God interrupted my story intervened in my story, intercepted my story, to put himself in my story so that I could become a child of God. We have across the stage little but God statements. There's a beginning and there's an ending to that statement. I want to challenge you during our worship, during our response time later on this morning, maybe you get out of your seat and you come and you grab one of these, and this is going to be your doodle pad. For the next several weeks, we're going to come back together in a couple of weeks. We're going to have another activity that you're going to bring these back to. But I want you to just kind of reflect on these, pray through those. But what is your but God story? And do you have one? Can you point to a time in your life where God inserts himself in your story? Grab one of these. Let it become a reflection. So I've been putting these out on social media, some but God verses. And I've been asking questions. And a few came back this week, one couple that was... In the first gathering, they shared their story with me. And the names will be kept confidential. But they shared how their marriage was about to die, but God stepped in, saved them, saved their marriage, and now they have a family with children. Another person. God, I've been successful in every area of my life. I've accomplished so much. But God showed me that I wasn't complete without him. What's your but God? What's your story of God working in your life? He blesses you to choose you, to to love you, to adopt you, to set you free, to forgive you, and number six, to enlighten you. To, To give you truth that you can live your life and then share that truth out there. That God has called you into the light, to walk in the light, to be in the light. Notice the number of times that he says the will of God. 
Verse 1, by the will of God. Verse 5, according to the purpose of his will. Verse verse 8, in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will. The God of the universe not only chose you, loved you, adopted you, freed you, forgave you, but he actually has a plan for your life. And here's the beauty of his plan. He wants you to know his plan worse than you want to know it. Are you tapping into that? Are you leaning into that relationship that God wants to steer you through this world, into this world? I mean, the number of times in Scripture that He is referred to as light and steering us in Proverbs 4.18, the path of the righteous is like the light of dawn. It shines brighter and brighter as the day is full. Isaiah 2.5, walk in the light of the Lord. Psalm 119, 105, the word is a lamp unto my feet. Your word is a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. 1 John chapter 1, verse 7, if you walk in the light as he is in the light, you'll have fellowship one with another. Listen, that light doesn't get turned on because I go and turn on a light. The light gets turned on because I've been chosen. I've been blessed, chosen, loved, uh, adopted, freed, and, and, and forgiven, and I'm walking in that truth. And when I'm walking in that truth, I'm walking in that grace, I'm living in that grace, I'm rising through that grace, I'm, 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 I'm recovering through the grace of God is getting me through this and leading me to that blessed, best life that he's calling us to. Um, one of the things, and I want to wrap it up here, one of the things that I didn't mention that I cannot fail to mention is verse 3 to verse 14 in the Greek language is one long run-on sentence. Verse 3 to verse 14. So you, you should study the whole thing in all of its context. Why is that important? Because it begins in the heavens and it ends in the heavens. It begins in the heavenlies and it ends in the heavenlies. It's this hall encompassing. It's 202 words, to, total words. But let me tell you what are the two most important words because you find them 11 times. It's the phrase, in Christ, in Him, through Him. In Christ, in Him, through Him. How is it that I step into the blessed, best life in Christ, in Him? Instead of Christ being on the outside of me trying to figure out how to... Listen, I need to change my residence. I need to change my address from being outside of Christ to being in Christ. When Christ is in me, now all of a sudden I have a source of identity, a purpose, a meaning of love and acceptance of who I am, not based on what I do, not on based on what other people say about me. I pull this book off the shelf. It's a book I read literally six months before coming back from Africa to start Grace Point. What's so amazing about grace? I obviously pulled it off the shelf because it's talking about grace. I wanted to thumb back through it this, this week. I've been looking back at it in other books on grace, but it was so refreshing to come back to this book by Philip Yancey. Because whenever we were naming Grace Point Church, it was from the reading of this book and the realization that grace needs to be in our title of who we are, and understanding the power and the beauty of grace in what grace does in our life. But I was looking back at it this past week, and uh, on page 69, if you pick up the book, 
He talks about a sociological phenomenon in our world today. It's called the looking glass self, where we gain our identities in this world through what we perceive other people are seeing and believing about us. If there's somebody really valuable or important in your life, it's what we think that they think about us. <laughs> we are not what we are. We are not what we think we are. We are what we, we think other people think we are. Follow that one along. But literally, it's like, I'm not who I am. I'm whom I think other people think that I am. But what God does in Christ, through Christ, in Him, is that our identity is not from the outside in. It's from the inside out. It changes. It flips the script on who we are. So who are you today? When you step out of this room, who are you really? Not who do people think you are, not do you, what do you think you are, but who are you in Christ? And if you can't say today with absolute assurance that I am in Christ, that Christ is in me, man, your best life is not yet. And it won't be until you're in Christ. Whenever he, say these with me, whenever I'm blessed, same with me, whenever I'm chosen, whenever I'm loved, whenever I'm adopted, whenever I'm free, whenever I'm forgiven, whenever I'm enlightened, then and only then am I going to be able to walk in the freedom of Christ's power in me. Would you bow your heads with me? The simplest way I can ask this question is, are you in Christ? Is Christ in you? Is Christ giving you your definition, your meaning for who you are? And that's why I ask you just to bow your heads and close your eyes and listen to that voice of God right now. Don't listen to anybody else. Don't focus on anything else right here, right now. Are you in Christ? Is Christ in you? And if you can't say that from the depth of your being, yes, I am. Do not leave here today. Do not get in your car. Do not get on McCollum before you talk to someone. And I will be and Lori will be hanging out in the Welcome Center. You can come talk to us and enter into that relationship with Jesus. But you're going to have to take that step. Or maybe you're here today and you know, I'm in Christ Mike, I, I don't, I, my identity, it's all jacked up. My sense of who I am and where I am and what I am, I, I'm off. In fact, I don't even know where God is at work in my life. I want to pray for you in a minute. And I want to pray that over the next couple of weeks, you take a sheet of paper, you take your own sheet of paper, you take a journal, whatever you need to do. And you start thinking about, God, how have you shown up in my life? And you make the long, longest laundry list you can. And you just turn that laundry list into a praise list to God. Father, in this space, thank you for showing up. In our storyline of our life, in our past you were there. In our future you're going to be there, Lord. But you are here today.
And I pray there are many but gods happening right here and now, whether they're, they, they feel like they've been interrupted, they feel like they've had an intervention, they feel like they've been intercepted, and God, you are working in the situations of our life, and you've not left us. In fact, God, you want to bless us. You've chosen us. You've loved us. You've adopted us. You've freed us. Lord, you've forgiven us and you want to enlighten us with your will. The mystery of your will. God, would you open our eyes, our hearts, our minds here in this space, in this time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you stand and worship with us? Thanks for listening to the Grace Point Church Podcast. To stay up to date on all things GPC, follow us at Grace Point NWA on Facebook or Instagram. As you go, be people who show and share Jesus in everyday conversations with everyday people. Live Sent.